Hello and welcome to series two of my DIY handbook. If you just discovered me and this podcast, welcome along. And if you've been rocking with us since series one, then welcome back. This podcast is for the creative, the freelancer, the entrepreneur, those who have ideas that they want to get off the ground. I'm a DJ, broadcaster and label owner, and I've been working in the music industry for over 10 years. And this podcast is all about me sharing what I've learned so far and continue to learn. So hopefully it will help and equip you for what may come on your journey to your dream career. In series two, we'll be exploring rejection, money, well-being, contracts, value and more. I'll be joined by a variety of guests who I admire, some who've been on a similar journey and some who are bona fide experts in those challenging areas. So I hope you enjoy our conversations and you can take away gems of advice and food for thought. If any of these episodes resonate with you, then feel free to get in touch. Give us a follow on Instagram, DIY underscore handbook underscore, or follow me directly at Jams Supernova. All right, let's dive in. There's a saying that nothing worth having comes easy. And on our quest in life to get what we want, no matter how hard you work, you will face rejection. And it can be one of the hardest things to reckon with. It feels personal, it feels painful, and sometimes it feels never-ending, especially at the beginning of your journey. It's something that I faced a lot of when I was starting out, and someone who's had a scarily similar life experience to me is Purcell Ascot, an actor, writer and producer. Whilst Percy's career and accomplishments are flying, he knows rejection all too well. Percy, thank you for joining me on DIY Handbook. Um, we have come from a similar area. We've been to similar schools. Um, we've been on different panels together. And I'm, I'm always just fascinated hearing you talk. You're such a wise and grounded person. Um, and you have these just this, this effortless way of just giving out um, bits of gems and advice just to <laughs> you in your everyday life. Um, but first of all, how, how are you doing? How is things? Yo, just on, I just want to say thank you for having me, Jams, man. I do Always. appreciate this, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. But yeah, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm um I'm feeling good right now. Like I should be. I just come off the plane. I come from yeah. I went on holiday. Went to Greece. So I had to have a quick, you know, quick R and R. Um, you know, re- <laughs> rest and recuperate. Get back and yeah, like just just back to the same old grind. But yeah, like really exciting stuff at the moment. You are looking quite tanned and glowing. Um, we did something together last summer mm. and um, it was around the podcast and we did uh, The Power of No. We expanded on one of the episodes in the first season and we did like a round table with myself, um, you, Toddler T and Otago Wagba, who's also part of season two. Um, and again, it was just hearing your stories around your career as an actor, as a writer, as a producer, you come up against rejection all the time and that's what I wanted to explore in this episode so in in season one we did the art of persistence with uh, Katarina Johnson Thompson who's an athlete and that was all about how do you keep going how do you get Mm. back up you know Um, but in this episode I really wanted to kind of look at what it feels like to be rejected what you emotionally go through and what you have to do to get through. So not necessarily always get back up, but in that moment, mm. how do you get through it? Um, yeah. So you in your role of, a, of of being an actor, producer, writer, businessman, did anyone ever warn you off your career because there would be rejection involved? Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's like the first thing that 
I was told, really. As soon as I think everyone has this conception, which which is, you know, of course it's true. Um, so as soon as I told my dad that I want to be an actor, I think his his first fear was how is my son going to cope with rejection? Um, and my mum too. And I think it's something that was as well. It's a it's a career in which they don't understand. And so because they haven't gone through the sort of the process and the 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 pathways, they don't really know how to. I guess you know give me certain advice um that could that could really help me um so i think that first fear for my parents like that was the first um element of oh you know there's this thing called rejection that i'm going to face uh, through through my time of of kind of being an actor and being a producer and stuff um and i think as soon as you you're quite young um to, to be honest even if i go back really like I, I was in you know i was playing football when i was quite younger so like rejection and sports that's some you know th- those two are quite linked as well so i i wasn't like i wasn't um a stranger to rejection from a young age and i think i think even my upbringing um i've always known that you know rejection is is a part of life if that makes sense and so like you know from like i grew up in southeast london in penge uh going to you know certain schools i remember i was trying to apply for my secondary school and um, I got rejected from six different schools um, trying to get into my secondary school. And, I, you know, I went to this school called Kelsey Park, which was in Beckenham, wasn't a great school and stuff like that. So I've always I felt like I've always had to like pick that that certain straw, the short straw, basically, and try to make the best out of that, basically. And I think that's what my parents have always uh, set me up to become in terms of trying to like, OK, regardless of what you land, try to find a perspective in that position that you can channel into something, you know, greater, basically. That's so weird. We have so many similar parallels. <laughs> like, I grew yeah. up in Penge. Um, no I, way! Yeah, I grew up in Penge. Well, I moved there when I was about 13, so I started off in uh, Deptford and New Cross and then yeah. Yeah, moved to Penge by the, by the station, um, Penge Station, and I played football. I was I lived near Penge Station. What? Oh, my, oh God. my God. We really, <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> but I remember oh, early God. rejection around playing football and not yes. getting in. Not, I used to play yeah. football from a very young age, but not getting into Millwall and okay. Millwall was my local team when I lived in in, in New Cross and I went for the trials there and I knew I was yeah. good and I and I and I I felt good you know during mm. the during the trial um and then didn't get the letter yeah and I remember yeah. being heartbroken by that the same thing with a secondary school I had yeah. wanted to go to your haberdasher asks which was like a kind of I guess like a grandma school at the time everyone was going there or a bacon's which was a very similar kind of school and I didn't get into any of those schools, very similar. And then ended up going to the school that I did go to, which I'm very glad mm. about in hindsight. Mm. Mm. But then there was also, I was thinking back, I got asked for a podcast to read a excerpt from my diary and I managed to find a diary excerpt of 20 years ago. Oh, wow. So when I was, um, so I would have been 10, 11 yeah. and I had been dumped and oh it was my, my birthday. God. Yeah, and I'd been oh dumped God. on my birthday. And, <laughs> and um, I was like, I wrote in the diary, today Freddie dumped me and I'm so sad. Um, I can't believe he did this on my birthday, you know, from a love from a crying Jamila. And yeah. then the next day was like, fuck Freddie, I think <laughs> I fancy Max now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But even as kids, I guess we didn't realise even expressing that rejection mm-hmm. was a probably part of the process to obviously yeah. like dealing with it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, having the diary or 
venting venting i know we're going to talk about it later on in, in you know a, a part of the conversation but just yeah that that i too was also rejected from football by the way um 14 years old trying to get to get into a certain football team um i, I did the football trials broke my arm and then um i just didn't message the manager back i, I was too scared of getting rejected in terms of like you know it's been such a long long um, time of me uh, being a part of that that same circle again. I just felt like, yeah, I'm not going to make it. I don't want to face that rejection, basically. Well, you close that chapter. Yeah, quick, and 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 that's the fear thing, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I could have I could have actually gotten to the team had I just put myself out there. Wow, because that was something that my mom said to me really early on, and I remember her saying it to me when I was about eight years old. And it's something you know, people say things, and it really sticks in your head. Mm. And she said that there are two types of people: there's people that resist, and there's mm. people that have resilience. And mm. the people that resist will have a situation happen to them, maybe like rejection, and it will crush them. It will be the end of the world. It will feel so personal. It will feel like an attack on themselves. It will feel like they can't get past that feeling, that moment, mm. what has happened to them. And then there's people that have resilience and they will take mm. something that's happened to them and they will be sad in the moment, but they'll learn how to get through it. And, and she was like, you need to be kind of like poking me in my chest. You need to be someone with resilience, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I thought that that's so, it's just when I think back now, that is something that I've always really thought about. And I think that you, you have your nature versus nurture. And like we've mm. had a similar sort of upbringing of being, having to face rejection and not being molly cuddled um, and sheltered away from it. Mm. Um, but I do think that you can go from a resistor to someone with resilience if you have to, when you start to unlearn some of those um some of those traits and those behaviors yeah. I, I don't think yeah. it's a sort of done deal like oh you're never going to have resilience at all no no think, not, not at all yeah yeah and do you think that it wavers do you think that there are times in your life where maybe maybe because I could definitely think that there maybe there are times in my life when I was more of a resistor and a oh, rejection 100%. might have knocked me yeah. for six what, what's been like the the hardest rejection you've had to deal with just just even on that like um I, I think that's a very good point to make in terms of the fact that i i feel like my early early years of life i, I was definitely a resistor I, I didn't understand or didn't really know much about the sort of resilience part that came when i was probably about 16 17 18 years old um but just in terms of just you know you can make that shift you can you know learn and how to find those kind of skill sets and those attributes to, to obviously to persevere and things like that. But my, my going back to your question, my biggest rejection, um, boy, uh, I, I feel like, um, I, I feel like I, I found it quite hard. I think when I was younger with football, I think that was my first love and it still is to this day. I'm, I'm in jams. I'm, I'm I run a football club at the moment, um, which I don't have any time for. I don't know why <laughs> I was going to say it. alongside like, all your other things. Alongside everything, I was like, yeah. In the pandemic, I was like, I'm going to set up a football team, and it's it's so, it's so much work to it. But I just I just love football so much. But I think when I was young, um, that was the first, I guess, moment of rejection. And I think um, I, I I resisted. I, I didn't fight hard enough for it, you know. And I and I. I used to always quit a lot of things. You know, I, p I picked up an instrument when I was younger. I played the saxophone. Um, I quit that after, you know, a couple of days. Um, even like my playground relationships, I used to quit. <laughs> you know, I, I, just, I used to always quit things because I was scared of rejection. And 
I couldn't pinpoint like one particular moment in terms of like a big rejection that hit me, but I remember there'll be these small little moments and I think I'd always cave in when it came, when the pressure was when it you know when it meant that I had to step up or what you know when when there's too much pressure I, I was always overwhelmed and I'd always shy away and uh, put my head in the sand cave in just run away kind of thing uh, from from these kind of things but I didn't know how to to do the opposite you know I didn't no one taught me that um, you know fair enough I had my parents and stuff like that but there's there's a difference where like especially the things that I was interested in I I, I had no one that could mentor that you know was mentoring me or anyone above me that could teach me or tell me uh, some advice of how to get through those things I just always felt like oh it's, it's, it's probably not for me then so what made you not quit acting then how you know whose stories you know, I, did you read yeah I think um because I was quitting so much stuff and I, I think at the time when I've when I really, truly loved acting and I, and I knew that it was a, this, this wasn't just a, a hobby, this passion I wanted to turn into a career was when I was 14 years old. And um, I remember I was choosing my GCSEs and to school life, I remember there was that, that shift where when you're doing your GCSEs, just, just school got really, it just got a bit serious, you know, like in terms of I couldn't just mess around anymore. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave school with really bad GCSEs, especially for, for my mum, being from Zimbabwe, from Africa. Um, you know, th there's a lot of things in which I'm very passionate about and um, I want to make my mum proud. And um, I really was like, okay, I'm going to knuckle down. So when I chose my options, I chose performing arts as one of them and uh, a few other, you know, different subjects. But especially with performing arts, I really, I just put, I put, I put my all into. I just, I don't know what happened, but there was a shift in me where I kind of just stopped concentrating on a social life and, and things like that and trying to be cool um, I just gravitated towards just trying to be good at this thing. And I remember hearing about the Brit school because I went to school in Croydon. Um, and I, I used to hear about how hard it is to get into the school and how good it is and all of these people that have gone, you know, to Brit school before me. So I think instinctively I knew that I had to, if I really wanted to do this, there's, I'm going to have to find something else inside of myself. And also I'm going to have to just really push myself out of that comfort zone. And also my teachers, a, a really, really good teacher as well that really pushed me to like, stick with acting and just that belief um and again yeah just just I remember with my stepdad in fact he um I'd say you know to describe him you know he's a bit of a realist in terms of his perspectives of life and things like that so you know telling him I wanted to do acting wasn't exactly like the most exciting thing for him to hear but in fact he was the one who pushed me the most you know he he saw something in me when I was in year 10 he came to watch my performance he saw me perform and then from that point on he was a person who was, you know, getting my application form for Brit School. In fact, when I was writing out the application form, I remember we had like three, four questions and those questions were so difficult to like answer, you know. Um, it was like, why do you want to be an actor? It wasn't because I just like it or I just want to be on TV, I want to be famous. You couldn't put that stuff down on your application form. You really had to go inward to find out the, the truthful answer. And, um, you know, I remember him just sitting down with me and really asking me these questions and really trying to pull out the reasons why I want to do this as a career, basically. So I think those are the reasons why I think I really stayed on course of, of you know, pursuing, you know, the acting uh, pathway. And then, of course, when I got to Brit school and just being in that environment, those teachers, just that school alone, it's just that environment, man. It just, it just you know, you just get so, so inspired because there's so many people around you that are so talented that you just want to be 
amongst your peers and and you know you just don't want to be left behind and I think that was always the thing that was pushing me as well at the same time yeah no I went to the to the Brit school too and I think that 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 gave me a lot of confidence because people didn't really really care so much about being rejected from things because there was always that rejection of not people not getting apart not getting into the dance club that they wanted or you know it was actually we were facing rejection a lot within the school just naturally yeah just yeah. because yeah you know, of, the, of how high the competition was. Exactly, yeah. It was so competitive, that that rejection, you know, that, that I guess that's why I love, so loved my experience at the school so much is because it really did set me up for what the outside world was going to be like. You know, I remember doing my first audition for a TV show on BBC and it didn't scare me in, in the, the fact that I had to audition against other people because I was used to it. And I accepted that this, I might not get this role, but I'm still going to put my hat in. But... From an early age, I guess we we were you know to even to get into the school, it was you know already it was quite hard to yeah like you're saying it gives you that confidence to 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 know that you can do it. I think I have one thing I did pick out from an early age, and this was sort of even as a as a teenager going for jobs. You know when you try you know when you leave school and you want to mm. go for your for your first job. Like I wanted to work in Sainsbury yes. so badly. Like yeah, I really yeah, wanted to work yeah. in Sainsbury's, Marks and Spencer, Tesco's, <laughs> Audi, like Wilkinson, you name it. I wanted to yeah. be there, and yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember, I, I would do like tons and tons of applications. Like I'd sit online and I'd apply and I'd apply, and they had yeah. those silly sort of um, multiple choice questions, you know. Yeah, if yeah, milk, yeah, if yeah. milk spills, but the rice in aisle one's gone as well. What what do you do first? You know. Yeah, and yeah. I, and I never ever ever got any of the jobs that I went for <laughs> <laughs> like none of them not even a callback even one, one thing in Wilkinson yeah for Wilkinson yeah. they actually did it did it down the church and you actually went there and it was face to face I was like this is my chance it's face to face I'm yeah, gonna wow yeah, them yeah. you know and this old <laughs> this old lady was interviewing me that she was like you know like been there a hundred years and yeah. um and I still didn't get it, and I was like, "What?" But what it showed me is that there's always some, there's that, that there's someone on the other side, and there's mm. someone there that actually part of rejection is your fate being in someone else's hand, hands, mm. and it not being about you. Mm. You know mm. that to that woman, she probably thought, well, you know, whatever, whatever she could have thought, whatever. Maybe I was too young. Maybe I was too black. You know, <laughs> it could have been um, a variety of different mm. reasons, but it wasn't actually. Me, it was her personal or whoever's yes. on the end of that application. It was their personal judgment of me. And once I clocked that in my head, yeah. that actually that's where rejection can sometimes come from. Yeah, It kind yeah. of empowered me. Yeah, because it, 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 you was able to level the playing field of your perspective of it, basically. And I think that's the, the number one rule when it comes to acting. Uh, the, the, the audition process isn't about getting the role. It's about just just putting yourself forward just expressing your talent and um, I think I, I, there's an interview with Brian Cranston um, and he says it best just about go out there show show what you can do and just just leave it as that you know uh, you're not in control you don't have the power to and there's so many variables for why something happens you can't it's not just pinned down I guess on, on yourself in terms of your skill sets and, and, and those things there basically so I, I, it sort of allows you to, to accept the sort of accept fate and also accept that it's not in your hands so just do what you can, where you can, basically. But even what you're saying, I, I, the I, same thing happened to me. I remember I applied to so many places, and back when we were applying for for jobs and stuff, I was out there in in um, 
Wick Gift Shopping Centre with my CV. I had a hundred CVs printed out. Yeah, yeah with, with <laughs> my boy as well. Me and him. <laughs> Grim Shopping Centre. We went to every shop possible with the CVs. And um, I remember, yeah, trying to hand it to everybody. And I, I don't know what they did with my CV. They probably just chucked <laughs> it on the floor. But I, I, it, I got so desperate to try and get a job because I was getting rejected so many places that I did... Um, I was actually trying to sign... I, did, I got that job where you sign people up on the street, basically, you know, for the charities and stuff. Um, and it's such a... It's such a hard, grueling job, I have to say, man. Like, you get rejected so much. And I remember I, I did. I lasted a week. And the reason why is because... pretty good going. Yeah, pretty good going, innit? Like, I, I, some people quit after, like, a couple of days. And I probably should have done the same. But I um, honestly, like, I remember I, I was in uh, Hounslow and... Um, remember my, my manager was like pushing us to get like to sign up people sign up people and stuff and yeah in the end I, I you know I, just, I was so young and naive that I, I forced myself basically I started chasing someone to try and sign them up and an old man didn't like how I did it I was quite you know a bit just overwhelming for someone and yeah he basically came at me and was shouting at me basically screaming at me and that day I was just like this is the longest thing ever like I think I walked away from that job earning like 50 quid or whatever it is for a week and I was just like so demoralised but just again back to rejection like <laughs> god man yeah yeah I mean that even that story I mean you, you you can laugh now and it is funny I can see it now but I can imagine in that moment it's just like I can't yeah. I can't do this like I can't I can't take this and but you have to have those 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 lows because, like you know, I'm sure when you're doing something incredible, you're at a fancy award show or whatever, you're seeing yourself on the big screen or something yeah. gets commissioned. You know, that moment is just crystallised as as a as a as a as a part and parcel. You know, a stepping stone. Hundred percent. Yeah. Um, have you ever had a rejection where you thought you had it? Like you thought, I got this in the bag. This Man. is me. This is my job. So many times, so many times. Let me tell you something, yeah. I um man, certain roles that I've 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 gone up for, like uh there's a Netflix series called The Innocence that I did uh, about three years ago. And um like jams, I did I did five to six months of auditioning for that wow. role. Um probably about twenty auditions. And the good part of that story is I, I got the role at the end, right? But the only way I was able to go through 20 auditions is because that same process happened to me about six, seven times before and I didn't get the job. Um, I remember going up for this Channel 4 series and, yeah, I, I, I was going through the rounds, you know, I, I was, you know, get, I poured everything into it. And um, I just, you know, I got to, I think, like the last three the three boys to, to be selected, basically, and I didn't get the job, and it was so, so heartbreaking. Um, and, and and just something like you said earlier as well about just, like, these things never leave you. Um, even recently, the pandemic, I was talking to a few people about this for me, but it's like I actually experienced a real low uh, in terms of just acting and, and opportunities. I mean, I've been, I've been acting for 10 years now. Um, I've done, like I said, the Netflix job and things like that, but... During the pandemic, of course, nothing was, you know, happening as such. But during sort of the 18 months of me sort of, you know, when we did have auditions, we were doing self-tapes because it was much safer than obviously going into a room and stuff. But I did so many Zoom tapes, uh, Zoom, audition, Zoom auditions, sorry, and self-tapes um, for o over an 18-month period. And I didn't hear, you know, I, I've, I didn't hear nothing at all, you know, after every audition tape. And this is after, like I said, I've done... 10 years acting experience, this, that, the other. But I've, I actually hit a, 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 a moment or um, a, a situation in which I guess I had an experience before, before 
you know, at least I might get a little recall, you know, I, I might get just a conversation with the, the director potentially, you know, just in terms of like the hope train in terms of, you know, almost getting a certain project. But I didn't get, I didn't hear nothing back at all. And I really had to find something inside myself to go, you know what, I, I'm doing this, I'm doing this for me. I'm not doing this to, to, to land the role, like I said, but I'm, I'm, I'm here to perfect my audition tape. And that's that was the sort of challenge mm. I put into my head. That was the perspective I, I gave myself because I was like, uh, I'm getting, I'm getting worn out on my heart the, the 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 longer this goes on for if I don't change my perspective of these auditions because it, it it does get it gets harder because when you have worked and you've done certain projects, I think there is um there's a certain expectation you have in your mind, especially with your peers when you've been working as long. Uh, for these years, you, you're seeing your peers doing certain projects. So of course, you just you just have this thing inside your head going, I should be on that type of level. I should be also doing certain jobs. And so like, yeah, going through that phase, like it was really beautiful, I have to say, because it just grounded me on a whole new level. But before, you know, I've, I've gone through all types of rejection, but this was a beautiful, beautiful experience. And I think, in fact, it actually, it, it made me closer to acting than I've ever been before because I had to ask myself, do I really love this this career path? Is it for me? Mm. And, you know, the answer is yes, it is for me and I do love it. And I, you know, thankfully I can say I, I landed a role uh, over the summer and I've just finished this Netflix film and um, it was probably one of the best experiences I've, I've ever had in terms of acting before. Um, and, you know, I'm working with really, really, you know, a cast that I could, you know, I've, I've been looking up to, you know, all, all my life. And here I am finally working shoulder to shoulder, shoulder with these people. Um, and, and yeah, you know, after all that audition process and, you know, all the no's and all the rejection and stuff like that, you know, here I am, yeah, working with my peers. And I, I it, now I've, I've really accepted, the, for the first time in my life, I've really accepted that I do want to be in front of that camera. You know, I do want to be an actor. Yes, I love producing. Yes, I love being an entrepreneur. But sometimes I feel like it, because I have so many plates spinning, it's easy for me to kind of change which mask I want. And and sometimes even to hide behind it and go, you know, what I don't need. To, it's, it's fine. I'm, I didn't get that audition because I've still got my producing to fall back on. But at the same time. I know acting makes me happy, so I can still hearts. I can still chase for it. Exactly, yeah. In my heart of hearts, I, I love it so much. So it's it's okay, Percy, to chase for it. You know what I mean? And to, and to and to and to hope and things and things like that. Basically, um, so yeah, man. Just on the whole conversation about rejection, that was something I found. Wow, I know that feeling of when you have to ask yourself, like, mm. do I carry on? Why am I doing this? You know, can mm, I take mm. another rejection? And I mm, remember yeah. that um, with me trying to get onto onto one extra. And I've told this story so many times, and yeah. I, I eventually feel like I want to get to a place where I am not that rejection because it was so long ago. But it is such yeah. a defining moment of my formative years. So mm. I started working at the BBC at nineteen behind the scenes, so straight out of college, straight out of Brit school. Went there and I was um, working as a work experience and then came back in production. But I'd always been honest that I wanted to be on air. That was my main thing. Um, and people were excited, you know, this new girl coming in. She said she wants to be on air. Okay, cool. Well, let's let her, let her do a demo. And I did a demo and I was I was like feeling really good about it, thinking that 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 was the that was it. I got dressed up to come in, have a little meeting with the editor. My <laughs> mom was waiting for me in Oxford Circus. You know, we we're gonna go shopping after. And he was just like, I'm really sorry, but you're not 
good enough right now. Wow, and I okay. was heartbroken. Like I, I couldn't even like control it. I cried in front of him. I'd gone in there like skipping up the stairs and I came down walking like the slowest down the stairs you can yeah. you could ever imagine and knowing that I had to go back to the Oxford Circus and tell my mom in top shop like nah <laughs> not today <laughs> and then yeah. that happened basically five times over for five years yeah. so every year would be wow. I you know the next year it was like um yeah you're still not good enough um there's people out there that are better than you the following year the third year it was like okay you're getting good but no one really knows who you are yeah. Um, so we can't just give you a show because you worked here for so long, you know, you need to have yeah. a bit of a name. Then the next year it was like, okay, now you're getting good. We can hear it. You can hear the growth. You've got a little bit of a buzz going, but your start, what you do is not what we're looking for right now. And then by the fifth year, it was kind of like, I was like, you know, actually I got to a place of like happiness with what I was actually doing. Mm-hmm. So by the fifth year, I was like, actually, I'm not even there. Like, do you want to do another demo? I'm like, nah, it's okay. Yeah. I'm all right, actually, um, because I found this love of radio that was away from them. That was mm. actually kind of something that I could control and it was doing it on Represent Community Station yes. and yeah. building something and being part of something that was grassroots and, mm. you know, um, gaining new listeners, testing stuff out online, doing all the things that I could never have done if I was on air there. And it was exciting. And I was like, actually this is why I do it. This is what Mm -hmm. I love. Like I love making radio. Actually, I'll always make radio. I'll always want to make radio, Mm -hmm. no matter how big the station or how, or how small the station. Um, Mm -hmm. And that was when they offered me a show. But I do remember right in the middle of that period, I think it was around the the second or the third time. I remember it being in my kitchen to myself. (laughs) And I was like, maybe you should just give up. Yeah, maybe, maybe you should. And then I, and then I just started cracking up. (laughs) And I was just, it was like some joker moment. I was like, I was like, as if I was like, girl, you better get yourself in check. But there was like that split second. I genuinely thought it. No, I've had that many times. I've had that many times. It's funny you say kitchen as well because when we did, you know, if I take us back to that when we did Man on the Wall. Now, yeah, you know. The beautiful part of of that journey for us was the fact that we we was free of pe- you know free people doing it together. So I guess and just for the just for the listeners who haven't yes. um, that aren't familiar with Mandem on the Wall, give us the lowdown. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, this is the tenth year, in fact, you know, since we actually released Mandem on the Wall. But you know, uh, me and um, my two best friends, Jovan Wade and, and Dennis Carte, uh, in two thousand eleven, we we released our web series called Mandem on the Wall which was about three boys who sat on a wall and uh, used to talk about their every uh, daily events in their lives. And um, we, we took that series uh, from, from YouTube, went to Channel 4 on a, on a show called Youngers uh, back in 2014. And we went and did a Hackney Empire show and uh, various radio bits and even went to the Mobos as, as well to present an award in, in character, which was like our peak moment. Um, but during the time of doing Man on the Wall, it was, so, I'd say, yeah, five years in terms of its duration of when we started it to like when we you know, felt like we wanted to evolve and change to the wall of comedy. But we had so many sort of peaks and troughs in terms of like that, that feeling of wanting to quit all the time. Like I remember every time we used to hit that rock, that moment in terms of going, OK, like we don't know what to do next because... Every door we're trying to knock on is just not answering at all. And I remember we used to be in the kitchen. Uh, it was in Jovan's house. I have a cup of tea. 
and it was just, you know, doom, you know, a bit of gloom around the room and stuff like that, doom and gloom, and we're just, you know, mulling around, t- trying to, you know, think of what to do. But then eventually, somehow, we, we used to start to laugh about our situation. I don't know, we just we used to find... We used to basically talk about, like, what's going wrong in our lives, and we used to laugh at them so hard. It would be like me. I'd be like, oh, I can't even pay my phone bill this month, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I used to ride my bike from Croydon all the way to Downham, basically, just to get to Javan's house because I couldn't Jeez. afford the bus, bus fare. Mm. Or I'd be on the train jams, and there's school kids recognising me for Mandem, and then there's a ticket inspector coming to me as well at the same time, and I'm like, this is it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like my <laughs> life is famous but broke, you know? And we used to just laugh about... All of our situations, and I think honestly, that laughter—that's what really helped us. Like event again, I said it earlier about the whole diary thing that you mentioned, the venting process, having people to vent with mm. and to express that. You know, um, it, I guess it, it, it probably produces some form of uh, chemicals inside of us. But it, it, it just—I don't feel alone. I don't feel like it's only me going through something. And when I feel like other people are experiencing the same emotions as me then, yeah, it, it just feels so much more comforting. And I think, I remember this journey, we used to describe it as such a, a, an emotional roller coaster. In the morning, we're excited because we've got massive news. And then by lunchtime, something, something mad's happened. Like the, the camera stops working and we can't film any more videos for the, for the next month. And then by the evening, you know, some email comes through the blue and someone says, yeah, come on to Channel 4. Like, it was just, it was bonkers, but... All of those moments, those pivotal moments where we used to feel like we're going to give up, that, that's the kind of stuff that defined us. And I remember every time I used to go to like a BBC set or a Netflix set, I used to always tell myself like all the times that when I was with the boys, we went through some real hard stuff. But every time we wanted to quit and we didn't, like I just, I used to feel, I just feel so strong because I'm just like if that stuff didn't kill me, like if that stuff didn't stop us doing what we're doing, then this BBC set can't stop me doing whatever or that Channel 4 thing. Like, I'm not intimidated by that stuff because when I go home and I'm doing my YouTube stuff, that that's the real stuff. That's the, that's the real life hard stuff where, you know, we don't, we're not making any money from this and we didn't make any money for five years of doing Mandem. So it's like, how how do you persist? How do you consistently do the YouTube content and all, the, all those kind of things that we were doing without making any money for five years? Like now, it's a it's it's bizarre. Like when I tell content creators now, because we do the wall of comedy and wall of productions, and you know brands now are heavily invested into this space of content. Back when we was doing it, you know, we didn't we didn't have any brands at at all sniffing. You know, and if there was any money, we're talking like you know two three hundred pounds split between three people. You know, for a month. You know, for us to cover all the kind of stuff that we had to cover. So. Yeah, man. I I I just feel like even now with the kind of things that we're accomplishing, just. I just always go back to this thing where every time it gets tough, I just go back to that 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 space and that time where I go, if if I didn't stop at that time, then you know th- this is luxury now. You know we I have mm. now I've got a team of eight to ten people who can also find the solution to the problem. Before it was just the three of us, and if if the three of us couldn't find a solution, then that was it. You know now we've got an office space and we can do X Y Z and blah blah blah. So you know of course the scales keep keep growing and, and the problems get bigger because, you know, there might be more money and, and more pressure on the table. But um, the, the principle stays the same in terms yeah. of how to cope with that rejection, how to cope with those problems and how to also come out of them. Mm. 
that definitely and that and that is something that I learned from those five years it's like you know it's funny that it's five years for you guys five years in in in, in what I went through and mm. it was like well then there's nothing that could stop me because I got there in the end so I did it so I know that it might take me, I don't know how long it might take me. It could take me five years. It could take me 10. It could take me 20. But I know that if I really do want it, that there is a way that I can get it. What I love so much about our journeys, right, is that even when you was at Represent, yeah, those days in Queens Road, Peckham. You came. <laughs> even even if you think about, even if you think about the people that were there as well, I think mm. Kenny, I'm sure Kenny was there at that, that, yeah. that time. Um, Snoochie was as well mm-hmm. at that time. There's so many of us in, I guess, very similar um, moments in our careers. And um, I'm sure we can, we, you know, we would all probably talk about and, and share the same kind of thing in terms of how long it's taken us to get to where we are. But it's so funny that in those moments, I guess, little did we know that we're all going through a very, very similar experience, basically, of like trying to break <laughs> into the industry, you know. Um, just what a special moment. Um, the fact yeah, that the yeah, our show was... Yeah, I remember. I remember even doing our radio links and and you know knowing that oh yeah, jams is next kind of thing. And it's like oh man, that stuff there. It just it just fills my heart. It gives me goosebumps because I'm just like wow, like this journey, what we've all gone through is yeah, it's 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 amazing. You got you got to bottle it up and you got to, you know you do have to have a little sniff sometimes to remember that that hunger yeah. and that want you know yeah. you, you touched on vent you know venting and it being you know yeah. finding people to vent with and that, I think that's always been important because mm. like you know it's only so much you could talk to your parents about it because they don't completely get it and I think their instinct mm. is to protect so they're like they sometimes their instinct can be to tell you to do something else and that's not necessarily yeah. always helpful. Um, but you need that like solid, solid friend because it's one thing to vent, and I think it's important too. But there's a line of when the it right becomes, people. yeah, or when it become when you become bitter. Yes. And I remember yes. one rejection in particular. Someone got a, the the show that I had wanted, and yeah. um, and I went from venting to being bitter to being jealous. And yeah. every time I spoke to a certain friend, I'd be like, yeah, well, she's not even that good and she's this and she's that. And, oh, well, she's da-da-da-da-da. You know, and I, 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 I built her up as this nemesis, like yes. this this yeah. evil nemesis who took my job and how dare she, you know. And my friend just had to say to me, like, whoa, 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 like maybe after about a month of this evil, nasty talk, um, she was like, right, I've let you go on too long now. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> I hear See, you. That, I feel that, you. That's a good friend. Yeah, it's time. Yeah. It's time to draw yeah. a line under the sand. It wasn't good. your job, babe. It was not your good. show. And I, yeah, like what you said there about it's, it's, it's the you know, venting is one part of it, and of course there has to be a line. But it's also talking to the right people for me as well, because like you said about the parents thing. Um, you know, when I told when I was telling my mum about certain problems or certain things, my mum's answer would be, you know. Because uh, she doesn't want to see me go through that pressure and that stress. Her thing is just, how can I protect him? How can I, our oh, son? Just why don't you just stop doing that? You know, just give it, give it a rest for a day or two. You know what I mean? Kind of. And of course, that's that's mum's, you know, advice because she loves me. But I, you know, it's important to have people around you that can give you, you know, constructive perspective. You know, sometimes it's it's like, okay, bro, I hear what you're saying, but you know, think why don't you see it this way and maybe do you know these things and apply yourself in that type of area and maybe that's the way that you can kind of like you know find a way in mm, definitely have have did you ever have any actor nemesis that maybe like got the job that you wanted and you just <laughs> said, damn it yeah um it's a funny one you know because it's like um 
I've always I've always had a silent confidence about myself, you know, in terms of just in terms of knowing that, you know, if if you give me an opportunity as well as a next person, right? I I am I'm confident enough to to give it my absolute all and I I know what I can do. I know I know my potential, my raw potential. Now I'm I'm willing to go to certain places where I feel like, you know, maybe you know, not many people can and that sounds a bit sort of arrogant or boastful, but it's it's more of a I I know how much I love my craft and I know what I can do. It's, it's more my passion talking, if anything. And absolutely, I think when you're you know constantly chasing for th- those kind of opportunities, some don't land to, land to you in terms of even receiving the audition. I remember sometimes I'm you know I, I hear for the great friend, someone's you know gone for that audition or whatever it is, or I've seen them land that part and. You know, absolutely. There, there's times where I've looked at it and gone, "Oh man, like, I, I could have, you know, I could have gone off that, gone for that same role." Or, you know, I've gone for a, a certain role, didn't get it, and you know, I've heard someone else has got it, and yeah, sometimes it does, it does affect me. Um, in fact, I actually, I'll actually say, like, even the series Small Acts, um, that that for me, like, oh, man, I really wanted to be a part of that process. Like, I didn't get, you know, an audition. Or, or anything like that and it, you know sometimes it just happens in acting like you know you, you might not get seen because you know potentially loads of variables I might not look the set, you know like the certain characters or, or or what they're looking for things like that basically sometimes you just want to just be in the room or top of their mind of who they just saw yesterday yeah yeah exactly yeah so yeah I, I remember when I watched that series as much as I loved it to pieces you know watching all of my kind of my peers and people I'm fans of I just really just really wanted to be just a part of history because I just loved it so much mm. um, and yeah you know dealing with that I think it, as you mentioned dealing with that that kind of like it turns I guess it turns from like envious and then it slowly creeps into sort of like bitterness and, and jealousy do you know what I mean and I think I've had to also cope with that and also learn how to deal with that one learn how to be aware to it and then find the kind of tools and stuff to try to deal with it because I, it's it's not healthy it's it's not even healthy just for you let alone mm. other people basically and um I can't keep carrying that same energy you know I, I have to kind of like you know work on that kind of stuff get rid of it because you know it's an insecurity of mine and I yeah it, it's just not going to be helpful and constructive yeah, and and you got to flip it. You got to flip it into ammunition. Mm. You know, you yes. flip it into making you want to be better, work harder, yes. be faster. Yeah. You know, actually use them as like your running mate almost. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Like, oh, I'm gonna run yeah. alongside you in this in this marathon, or try and keep yeah. up, or try and get further, but not not make it into a make it into a fun thing versus a yeah. We used to always say to ourselves, but back when we did Man on the Wall with me and the guys, we used to we used to always say like the world owes us nothing, right? And the reason why we kept saying that to us is because no matter, even if I've done um, 10, 10 years of acting now or, you know, regardless of what we've done in the past and what we, what we do in the future, it doesn't owe us anything. And I, I think I don't, I don't want to carry this expectation that I am owed something or I am due for this. No, like as long as I work hard and, and I apply myself, then those things will gravitate and those things will come basically. But I think when I, I used to carry this thing in my heart going, Oh no! I deserve this now. You know, I'm a, I've done this for a certain number of years, or I'm a certain le- a certain level. I should have X, Y, and Z, and that that would create void in my heart. You know, it will create void in terms of going. Ah, oh, but I'm ch- now I'm chasing for it. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I don't have it, and I I'm expecting I should. And I think that was for me where I had to kind of like no humble myself again and remember. You know, um, I'm not owed anything, and and it's it's. Um, 
in my mind now, you know, I I will apply myself just as much as I did when I was seventeen years old at my first job to to the jobs I do tomorrow. Uh, I'm I'm still the same that same kid who is going up for his first audition. That's the way that I like to treat it. Basically, mm. you know, for, forget what I've done before. I'm owed nothing. I'm I'm going to go into this as as almost I'm a, I'm a newcomer. You know. Mm. That's a really good, um, I think, sort of like tangible bit of advice, like in 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 the face of rejection, the sort of things you can do is like really getting back to basics, getting back to yeah, why yeah, do yeah. you do it, you know? Stripping back, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And how then, I think my last question would be, is how do we not let rejection define our story? Because I could have been the girl that never, that always wanted to be on one extra and there have been times when I know that because I had wanted it so much and because I had had it maybe had a tougher time getting on air that I think I've had to re I've had to re um reintroduce myself as not that person you know mm. reintroduce myself as actually now 10 years have passed since then or you know whatever so I'm actually this is who I am now. Do you know what I mean? I'm not that girl that was trying so hard. Yeah, it, it's, it's funny because, you know what, like, for me, personally, Jam's like, I, I'm actually, I actually love the fact that my rejection is a part of my story because um, this is the reason why, I guess, we're receiving or we're in certain opportunities now is because the last 10 years, including that rejection, has, is the, re- it's, it's served, it served us. It's, it's given us the lessons. Every, all of those mistakes, all of those fails, all of those, you know, um, sort of quite close but not close enough kind of thing. That's the reason why now we're able to kind of like serve other people. And, um, you know, I'm able to help other content creators who were in similar positions, you know, that like I was when, when you know, they're starting up their careers and stuff like that. So it's like, I think uh, the, the biggest thing for me when it comes to rejection is, you know, perseverance at, at the end of the day. We used to always... You know, I remember um, Javan's dad, he used, to, he used to manage us when we did Man on the Wall. And, you know, um, bless his soul, you know, Javan's dad passed away about six years ago now. And um, everything we do is is in honour for him. And when I remember, the, you know, the, I remember the, the, one of the things he used to say to us all the time was about just how big is your why? And I never used to understand what he meant by that. I used to always be just be... What, what what does that even mean? Like it doesn't tangibly. I just I just couldn't understand or couldn't break it down. And it wasn't until when you're faced in those moments of rejection uh, that that you realise yeah what that question actually means and how big is your why? Why why am I doing it? And how big is that? Why do I want to be an actor still? Why do I want to be an entrepreneur or a producer? Um, and and when it comes to that thing of perseverance, it's about as long as you don't quit. You know, everything around you c- cannot be in your control. I can't, I will not have complete control over what auditions I go for next or what opportunities my company might take on. Like, I'm not going to be, I, I'm the pitcher. I, I'm not, you know, the, the guy behind and, you know, investing into the pitch that I'm pre- presenting or I'm not the exec producers on a certain thing. I'm just the actor just presenting what I can do. Um And, and yeah, those things can not be in my control in terms of getting that role or whatever it is, but... What is in my control is my ability to persevere. You know, what no one can't take away from me is quitting. You know what I'm saying? And and that for me has always been the biggest, like, key thing for me. And I, even now, after, you know, 10, 10 incredible, amazing years, and when I look around at everyone who is still 
still doing amazing stuff. They're still, you know, uh, uh, people I've met along the way. The one thing I'd say about all of us is that we just didn't quit, you know, and 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 I I, I always try to stress that to people. Um, and you know, understandably, life has a way where life circumstances sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes people. You know, uncontrollably. You know, you might have um, you might have children, which which can you know completely change um, the way that you need to um, maneuver with your life and and your kind of responsibilities. It could be you know your health or or you know a loved one's health and things like that. So, of course, sometimes the idea of quitting um, is not it's not always an easy straight answer of you know you know easy. I just don't quit kind of thing. Um, it, it there are so many. Um, you know, uh, peaks and troughs to it, basically. But, you know, at the end of the day, that's the one external thing that you can control, basically, is is you continuing, you persevering. Um, and just, yeah, how, how big is that why, basically? I think that's a beautiful place to end it. I love that. How big is your why? And um, RIP to Javan's dad, because that's, that's a gem that's got to stick in, stick in here. Thank you so much, Percy. No worries, James. Thank you for having me, man. I really do appreciate this conversation. Wow, what a great way to end. How big is your why? It's something that I can't stop thinking about ever since he said it, and I feel like it's kind of almost been like a a bit of an omen. It keeps popping up again and again. How big is your why? And I think it's a good question that we can all ask ourselves at different points in our career, but especially when we're facing rejection. Thanks for being here for this episode of the DIY Handbook. I've been Jam Supernova. And if you like what you heard, then just let me know. Leave a review, talk to me on socials, and please, please subscribe because there's more great information, stories, and advice to come in future episodes.